a true peak experience that at the moment of life, when you want everything to come together, everything came together for this guy. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Hello and welcome back to another Fire Drill podcast. We ride again. Michael Bamberger, Alan Shipnuck here, um, and it was it was quite a week at, at Oak Hill at the PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka he rides again as well, fifth major championship, one hell of a performance. Um, Michael, talk to me. What did you think about this week? What 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 stands out from the one hundred and fifth PGA Championship? I mean, I loved it. We've been here before for different things. It's real, you know, people get confused between Oakmont and Oakland Hills and Oak Hill. There's actually three very different courses in three very different cities. I would actually say this is my favorite of the three. Uh, actually, maybe by a lot. That's a big uh, statement. You, you, how about for a course that you would want to play from the appropriate tee? Definitely. Rochester, great town, wonderful people. And, uh, it was, you know, they, of course, they did get a little lucky with the weather. Unlucky was Saturday. That can always happen. It was fantastic that they were able to get it in. And uh, just an absolutely compelling week of pure golf, really. Don't you think, Al? Yeah, pure is a good word. This golf course is pure. It was a, it was an old school test. I mean, uh, the thick rough, the, the, the extreme greens. I thought, it, I thought it was great. And actually... You, you think the weather on Saturday was unlucky. I thought it was fantastic. Like my dream week at a major is three sunny, nice days and one day of hell that just pushes the players to the breaking point. You had guys out there flinging drivers, flipping off the cup. Jordan Spieth of all people, like Eddie Haskell dropped an F-bomb. You know, that that's what you want in your major championships is is you want to, to put extreme stress on the players. And that, that certainly happened with the, with the foul weather on Saturday. 30 mile an hour wind is more fun than half an inch of rain or an inch of rain. But I agree with it. It, 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 was, it. it tested them. <laughs> yeah, it did. And um, yeah, I mean, the reborn uh, Oak Hill, you know, they, they took it back to the future. Um, I thought it looked so cool. The, the square greens were really neat because they could put the pins in the corners. They were ultra tucked and some fun little fingers like the eighth hole today. Um and I, I love the sort of the berms, the raised up berms behind the greens. It just framed them so beautifully when you're looking down the fairway or even on TV. And um, it, it was, I mean, you, you look at Brooks Kepka. He's now conquered Oak Hill, Bethpage, Shinnecock. I mean, that's really macho. Those are three of the hardest courses in championship golf. You just, uh, what a resume. And of course, five majors now he's these are the geniuses who have won five major championships severino ballesteros lord byron nelson and peter thompson i mean all timers i mean those are generational talents those are icons and and brooks is right there and is is not done i mean he's motivated he's healthy he's fired up and it it's just so impressive to watch him because he keeps it very simple you know he, he, it's like every putt has a perfect speed every 
every approach shot is pin high. He hits a bad drive. He just gets back in play. Like he really, he's 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 reduced the the, the game, the championship level to to the most basic parts. I mean, it's impressive. It's 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 a repeatable formula. Yeah, you know, his swing now looks exactly like it did when when he was at his prime. It doesn't look any different at all. It's a big, strong man's golf swing, like they all are today. You know, he takes it back, and then he lets it go, and he kind of holds on, and it's nothing but fade shots. It's high, and it's in play. And if it fades too much, you know, or if he pushes it, it's in the right rough. But otherwise, it's in the, in the fairway and, and in play. So he does make it very simple. It's sort of low low stress golf the way the way he goes about it. Yeah, he does. He does play a cut off the tee almost exclusively. But I, it was interesting because I was right behind the fourteenth tee. That's that incredible drivable par four that just looks so. You stand on the tee box and it, it's such a panorama. And I love that tabletop green. And I think it's just one of my favorite holes championship golf all of a sudden but he, he played a big high draw he needed a little extra carry and he just let that club go and uh to have it you know hit nothing but fades and then you come to a do or die hole and he's it's his leads down to one um and to pull that shot off and put it up there on the green i mean that that was macho that that is That's real cool. trust. i was in the parking lot then what, what where, where did that shot pitch I mean, landed right in the center of the green it just trickled about one step off but nice wow. flat easy easy two putt and um, I mean, it was. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was one of those things. It's hard to tell on TV sometimes. A ball fight. It's one of the great things about being inside the ropes. And I mean, I was sitting right on the tee box and just majestic. <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know, credit to to Victor Hovland. I mean, he uh, he played lights out for 15 holes. Like he he didn't give in at all. And he even you know Brooks came out. I, I tweeted it was like uh, it reminded me of Secretary at the Belmont. You know, he is performing like an incredible machine, like birdie, birdie, birdie. Open up a three shot lead and it looked like he might shoot fifty five and win this thing by a hundred. And uh, but Hovland, he he never backed down and, and he 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 just kept coming and he he you know he had he had he got within one stroke and then had some bad luck in the fairway bunker. But even that was was cool. You know, Hovland's making a mess in the sixteenth hole and. Kepka had to wait out there for a long time in the fairway. And then when it was his turn to hit, he just knocked the flagstick over. And that was like, it was a real exclamation point on the win. That gave him a four-stroke lead. And uh, it was a neat moment. I mean, it was sort of the signature shot. And uh, it just speaks to his kind of ruthlessness. Like, you, uh, you know, and Hoblin said he's, t- he's tough because he doesn't give you anything. He just doesn't give you anything. And uh, it, was, it, was a very, it was a very relentless performance by Kepka. And it was made all the more impressive because, of course, he could have won at Augusta this year, and he didn't have the Sunday that he want, wants you to have. And really, had he gone the first two Sundays of the year, um, you know, not it would have been Greg Norman like to be the, you know, right there through fifty four hole, and then sort of cough it up on Sunday. And you don't want your name associated with Greg Norman's name uh, in that in that sense. Uh, Al, I think your insight about the tee shot on 14 is great. I feel like I've never seen him hit a draw shot in my life, so I'm really interested to hear this. And of course, it brings to mind Nicholas in his prime because you know everyone used to talk about Nicholas's prime, uh, Nicholas's distance in his prime, and it was he was way longer probably than you know most everybody else. You know, a couple of weird except, odd exceptions. Um, but what people don't know is Nicholas hit fade, 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 and then when he had to turn it over. You know, 13 and at Augusta National in his day for sure. He did. And I actually did not know that Kepka could do that under that kind of pressure. But what you're describing is the difference between 10 yards 
In other words, the draw shot has a chance of carrying and the fade shot doesn't. And it's ballsy because if you hit into that bank, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, it, it could be a bogey. Uh, so it, it's impressive what, uh, uh, what you're saying. Well, and, and then the, the, another crucial moment was the, the hole before that, you know, really long par five. Nobody could reach it today. Hovland's in with the birdie. Kepka's hit a couple less than precise shots. He's got this terrifying six or seven footer straight down the hill to save par to only lose one stroke. If he misses that putt, they're, they're tied. This was to, to stay out in front. And it, a putt like that, man, it has nothing to do with the technical proficiency. It's just, you just have to will it into the hole. It's just, it's an x-ray of the soul. And I mean, he, he just, he just gutted that putt and, um, and he kind of, he swaggered out, out and this really neat amphitheater there at 13. I mean, it, it was a super cool setting and the place went crazy when he made it. And the way, you know, we, Brooks, the physicality, just the way he carries himself, the way he moves, you know, he, he has a presence, which is really rare. And there was a little extra swagger coming off of that green. And it was like, okay, this, this is getting real. And then he went to the tee and he hit that rope. And if, if you're hobbling, you're like, man, what do I have to do? Like, I thought I had him, but I don't. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. You know, over 72 holes, he, he's, it's not enough. <laughs> uh, 54 holes yeah Hovland can play with that Hovland's terrific and he's a great kid and he's got a great attitude but just for pure talent you can just see it if you watch it you can see it he's at a he's at another level I don't think we should go crazy just a one quick thought here you know you say pure will I would say it's right out of the Tiger School it's actual technical perfection but once the technical perfection is all organized in your mind what you're actually going to do then that just that hyper drive, like Jaime was talking about with us earlier today, the hyper drive of the elite athlete of like, I deserve this. Uh, that does, I think that does kick in and we, we've seen it. And that's one of the glories of golf. We've seen it with Seve, we've seen it with Tiger, definitely saw it with Nicholas Arnold in his day, this guy. And that you kind of can't imagine Victor Hovland, who's a really nice player and will have his chances and might win a major maybe someday. But you can't see that part in his game. Now, Justin Leonard weirdly had it, but he didn't have it for the rest of the game. You know, yeah. very few yeah. get everything. But the guys we're talking about, John Rom, Rory, and Brooks Kepka, I would say really John Rom, you know, I mean, we're for sure, uh, really do have, it seems, pretty much everything. Plus drive. I mean, drive is that's really, really it. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned Rory because he was he was obviously a, a big focus of this week. It's um, his his in laws live in Rochester, and he's a member at Oak Hill, and it's just the the perennial you know psychodrama of being a Rory McIlroy fan. He just can't like he was there, but he wasn't quite there. I mean, just a classic tie for seventh kind of backdoor uh, performance by Rory. Um, uh, you know, him and Brooks were tied with, with four majors for uh, the last few years. And imagine when when Rory won at Valhalla, you know, he had four majors and Brooks had zero. And you could have gotten pretty long odds about who was going to get to five first. And, and Brooks did it. And it's like if you uh, – it's, it's, it's not set in stone. It's not definitive. But when you talk about the best player of sort of the post-Tiger era – I mean, it's Rory, it's Brooks, it's Spieth, and it's maybe Dustin are the four guys in, in the conversation. Rom, Rom can play his way in, maybe Scheffler, but 
right now when you look at the resumes and you got to give it to Brooks. I mean, that, the five majors is monumental. Uh, it's really, it, it really separates him. And um, so he's, you know, you get to six, you're talking Trevino and Faldo. I mean, he's, he's, he's scaling, he's heading towards a Mount Rushmore of, of modern golfers here. If he can, he's basically of his last 22 major championships, he's won five of them. You know, that basically, that's basically one a year. And um, uh, so if he can. And, and, and two, he sort of semi gave, and two, he semi gave away. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, no. I mean, every, no one wins them all except for Tiger, but um, you know, Brooks is now four for five converting 54 hole leads at the majors. You know, he's, he's a closer. And yep. um, it's yep. going to be fun to see where he goes from here because he's clearly motivated and fired up. And, uh, you know, swing coach Claude Harmon said to me, you know, this is Kepka 2.0. And it's like he, he had all his injuries. He's kind of refound himself. He's he's made the, the jump to live. His wife's pregnant. He's married. Like he's really in a different place as, as a golfer, as a human and um, completely settled and healthy and and hungry. So this, this is a big this is a big one. Let's go back to something here because I, I haven't heard you on this. We haven't had a chance to really talk since since it all wrapped up. What's your emotional response as a someone who who loves golf and writes about golf and is writing a book about live? You, you you've you've written about this guy a long time. You know you, you probably when he was before he won his first major. Maybe you, you know you went deep with this guy. What is your emotional response? To him winning, and I and I could add the part that you know that I'm thinking of, which is his handling of that situation uh, uh, at Augusta National on the on the 15th hole when the caddy clearly, clearly, clearly said that to, to uh, Gary Woodland's caddy that his man had just hit five iron. Yeah, that that was a missed opportunity for Brooks to do something really special. He could have elevated himself into the Bobby Jones category of sportsmanship if he had called that penalty on himself. And um, I, I think, you know, for him, he's, he's, he obviously refers back to team sports as his frame of reference. And I, I think he took that like, hey, man, you know, no one in, in Major League Baseball or the NBA, no one calls a penalty on themselves. They don't, they don't tip off the ref. They step out of bounds. And I think he felt like his little ticky-tack, he wasn't totally involved whether you believe the glove hand or not. And, um, but it was a missed opportunity. I mean, if Bobby Jones, you know, called penalties on himself in back-to-back U.S. Opens in the 20s, and we're, the 1920s, we're still talking about it. You know, his, his, um, I think it would have been amazing if Brooks had done it. Um, but setting that aside, and we'll come, I want to hear your thoughts on that. We'll come back to that for you. But I, I think, I think this, was, this was a really impactful victory. The larger landscape, you know, is this this ongoing battle between the tour and, and Live Golf. Um, this is meaningful. I mean, the, Live Golf now has has two of the reigning major championship winners, with Brooks and, and Cam Smith. It looks like Brooks is gonna is going to be the alpha of the sport here for a while, and so it, it definitely recalibrates things. And it, he could also be the bridge because he's going to play his way onto the Ryder Cup team just through points. They're not going to be able to keep him off of it, and. Um, that opens the door to maybe pick Dustin as you know, who he could play his way on through points as well, but he's not, he hasn't been doing it in the majors and that, that would, that would sort of tear down the wall a little bit. And, you know, Brooks has, has not talked any trash in this, in this battle between the tours. He's kept a low profile and he was not a party to the lawsuits. You know, he has not stirred it up. He's not been like a Poulter or a Westwood or a Garcia. 
he just kind of kept his head down. He made a decision for him that he thought was best, but he hasn't been trying to stick it to the man. And so um, I think his credibility as, as a human, but especially as a player, uh, you know, he, he could, he could, he could be a bridge to help, you know, get in, trying to reunify the sport in some way. And uh, so I, I think it's a huge victory for him is his place in the Pantheon, but also for the, what's happening in this, in the sport. I was rooting for him because it's obviously good for the book, but I also just think Brooks is, he's, he's just cool. I mean, there's just something about him. He has a mystique and I, I think there's a, um, there's, there's something magnetic about him that, that attracts casual fans. Uh, and you know, he's, his wife has a very high profile on social media. She just kind of adds a little stardust to their whole, their whole life. And he's obviously, he's a good looking guy. He's got the Nike deal, you know, the, They'll, they'll get a lot of mileage out of this. So uh, I think I think it's really impactful. So let, let's talk about your thoughts. Because well, Alan, you, Alan, can I, just before we oh, do yeah, it, let me ask this, because everyone thinks they know, but you might know more than others. To what degree did he join Liv so that his brother could ha- could make a living playing professional golf? And for those yeah, who it, don't know, Chase Kepka, it is, what, what is Chase Kepka's Liv status right now, Alan, for those who don't know? Yeah, I mean he's they're on the, he's he's they're on the same team. He has to finish if you anyone who finishes in the top twenty four of their money list this year is guaranteed a spot next year. But Brooks, being the captain of the team, can more or less pick anybody they want, anybody he wants. And Chase is a really sweet kid. Everyone loves him. Like I would say that Chase is going to be on live as long as his brother is on live. And so that's for. For a young player who's never been able to find his footing on any major tour, that's it, a huge deal. And you know, Brooks loves his brother, and it, that that was I, I equate it to. You see this in college basketball when there's an incredible prospect, and a school hires the kid's dad as an assistant coach, <laughs> it's, so they can get. That's kind of what Liv did with with Chase. They they signed up Chase first. That was an inducement to make sure Brooks came over, and um, you know, there's something sweet about it. I mean. I think that was definitely a factor in Brooks's decision. Like he's kind of like, I'm going to be fine either way, but I can set my brother up for life as a golfer. And, um, you know, they won, they won, um, one in, uh, in Jetta last year, they won as a team and Brooks had promised chase. He would buy him a new car. If, if they, if they won the team element happens to be a lime green Lamborghini. Cause that's how they roll in the Kepka family and on live golf but uh you know that that was a big deal for them like he was i think brooks was more excited about the team victory than his own individual one because they had this whole little thing with his brother so it's kind of a cute story that's so. funny because that, that that chase kepko looks like a honda civic driver to me exactly i know it's so great uh, but michael you've written about this you've talked about it but um why why is it so fundamental to you what happened in the in the the 15th fairway to augusta national well, it's just so basic. If you don't play golf by the rules, the whole thing falls apart. It's been said a million times, and it is a rule of golf. People who – I don't want to be critical of people who think about the game differently than I. I'm not saying I, quote, think about the game the right way. But there's there's a reason why you're not allowed to share advice, what, the, what the rule book calls advice, which is actually – information about the club that you just hit. There's a reason why. There's lots of reasons why. They all make sense if you start to think about them. But if you're giving information in your group and another group's not, it's not a team sport. It's an individual sport. So if you're if information is being exchanged in your group, then it's not being exchanged in another group. 
it puts you at an unfair, uh, it puts you at a, uh, the, the other group has a, uh, an unfair, uh, uh, disadvantage. Uh, the idea of the rule, uh, rules of golf is to create a level playing field. It was so obvious to everybody that the caddy said to the other caddy that Kepka's caddy said to Woodland's caddy that he hit a five burn. The rule books it. So you, some might say, Oh, but that's just the caddy. It wasn't the player, but that's not what the rule book says. So if you're not going to simply go by what the rule book says, you're kind of really just sort of kissing off something that's actually at the very core of the game. And it would have been just so great for him to say, yeah, I didn't know what the caddy was doing. He's a great caddy, but he crossed the line there. Other guys do it, but the fact is nobody should do it. That's really what should have been said, in my opinion. I don't like to use the word should. But of course, that's not what happened. What very likely happened, and I'm not saying I know what happened because I don't, is that they went in, they watched the tape, and they said, yeah, what you think you saw isn't actually what happened. But we know what happened because we saw it. So I think he really hurt the game. I know at Augusta National, there, there was no one who, pff, it's hard to imagine someone was rooting for Brooks Kepka to win that Masters. So by extension, it was hard for me, even though I think he's an impressive golfer, of course, Physically, I find him to be an impressive person. I like watching him on the range. I like the way he carries himself. I like his no bullshit quality. But real no bullshit quality is to stand up and say, yeah, something went wrong there. Give me the two shots. I deserve them. That would have been just appropriate. Not even like great, just appropriate, really. So when he didn't do that, it just makes me think very differently about him. And actually, I can feel even in me this whole notion of, Everybody loves a winner because like there I was interviewing, you know, the wing, I was in a group interviewing the, uh, 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 Ricky, the, his caddy afterwards and Kepka's impressive in victory. People love a winner, but the fact is he kind of hurt golf actually, uh, in a, in a significant, in a significant way. Cause it's another, it's another pin in the value system of what makes golf golf in the first place. Yeah, I mean, probably the best thing that ever happened to, to Brooks Koepka was not winning that Masters because when when Rom took the green jacket, that kind of faded away and it was it was, became a one day story and something that, was, that followed him for the rest of his life. But um, it's and it's interesting that Augusta. I almost feel like they they could have imposed a penalty. They have the power to do that, but it was almost like. We're going to leave this up to you. You, you. Do you want to be Bobby Jones or not? <laughs> and that it was almost like they—they they just it was a test. And um, but I, I love that you're so passionate about this because everyone else has already moved on. But it's part of what makes you who you are, Michael. Is you care so deeply, and um, and these things stick with you. So I, I think it's it's valid. It's worth discussing. It, it did reveal a certain value system uh, that for the people involved, and um, you know it's. It's not like it's not like Brooks. It's not an issue of cheating. It was more. It was more of a, an issue of personal responsibility, right? <laughs> like th this was a moment to do something really special, and um, uh, the moment passed. Cheating sort of implies a willful attempt to gain an advantage, but in the end of the day, he did get the advantage because he didn't get the two shots, and of course, he desperately needed those two shots. Believe me, if. If the Alan, if the penalty had been, well, this is your warning, but next time you're going to get the two shots, he said, okay, I accept the warning. You're right. So 
I don't know. I don't think people honestly care what I think. I mean, not personally what I think, but I think this whole thing about, oh, you're so into the rules. Anybody who's like, oh, you're so into the rules. They just see golf differently. And they, and uh, so it's kind of hard, you know, it's kind of like where the political divide is now in this country. It's like, it's so hard to talk to somebody who has differing, different politics than you do. Everyone's so hardened in their positions but to me, this is what golf is. It is what makes golf special. Um, and and what you said, Alan, I believe is correct. Like Augusta does have a tradition of saying, let's see if you'll just do the right thing on your own. We don't want to force you into it. They do have a tradition, tradition of doing that. Well, the interesting thing is so often the player doesn't do the right thing. I mean, Tiger's drop in 2013, he could have DQ'd himself, uh, but he just, they kind of gave him an out. Um, you know, Ernie with the, 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 the stacked wood hundred yards into the forest. Like he took that free drop in a heartbeat. Um, it's, uh, the players, you know, that I, they're always pressing an advantage. The pressure of the masters, the, the desire to win it is run so deep. It's, it, it is revealing in those moments, but, um, well, let, let's talk about what was undoubtedly a feel-good story this week, which is Michael Block, who you're, you're typing about for firepitcollective.com this evening. Um, I mean, the guy didn't make a birdie today, and yet somehow he stole the show. Like, what, what was your read on, on, on he, this character? He didn't make a birdie, but he made an eagle. <laughs> yeah, he made an ace. I know. It was pretty good. Could, I mean, could you hear it, Alan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We where were, where were you? Were we you on were, 14T? No, it was he was more groups ahead. We were, I think, on twelve, so we were pretty ge- geographically a little far away. But it was like it was a, it was definitely, it was it was not a birdie roar. It wasn't even really, an, it wasn't even even like a lot. It was something unique. And if any other player in the field had made that ace, it, w- it wouldn't have been as loud. But there was something cathartic about 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 Block doing it. Yeah, I mean, you were a thousand yards away and you could hear it. Oh yeah. Yeah, people are looking at each other, raising their eyebrows, like, "Wow, something, something just happened." Yeah, it was loud. I talked to a guy who was on the tee, a spectator guy who's been to Augusta a lot, who's heard ones at uh, at twelve and sixteen at Augusta, and he said that this was as loud as anything he's ever heard at Augusta. Uh, but anyway, for on on the chance that anybody who is listening hasn't heard, uh, uh, Michael Block, a true club pro at a public course in in Southern California, uh, was between. Uh, He's been playing his bottom off. First off, you know, for those who don't know, I think most do, 20 club pros get to play in the PGA Championship. It's put on by the association, the the Professional Golfers Association of America. It used to be 40. Before that, it was way more than that. Now it's down to 20 club pros. What the U.S., what what amateur golf is to the Masters and what uh, sectional uh, guys who play their way in in is to the U.S. Open. The club pro is to the PJ Championship, the fundamental part of the game. But there are many years when no club pro even makes the cut. Now you got a club pro who's playing with Rory McIlroy, you know, fighting for like a top 15 position in the in the final round of a really difficult golf course. And this guy hits it way shorter. This is not hyperbolic than Alan Shipnuck. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the guy's 46. The guy's yeah. 46, swings slow. Um Anyway, he was between a uh, chipping a six iron and, a, as his caddy told me, chipping a six iron and a driving range seven iron. He hit the driving range seven iron on the fly into the back of the cup. 
Now, often when you hit a when you hit a driving range seven iron and tower can boom into the back of the cup, it will not go in the hole because a lot can go wrong. But everything went right because every everything went right because everything was going right. And he seems like an absolutely great guy. His caddy seems like an absolutely great guy. He's playing next week in Colonial. He just got um, a special exemption, a sponsor's exemption, excuse me, into uh, the Colonial tournament next week. Uh, so it's absolutely fabulous for golf to see this happen because uh, this is really what this particular championship is all about, but really, really what golf is all about. You know, part of, and by that I mean the dream machine of golf that Tom Lehman had, you know, in his 30s, finally starting to play Hogan in his 30s, finally starting to play good golf. Um, uh, just Jack Fleck against Hogan. I mean, there's been many examples over the years of this guy having, you know, what Michael Murphy called in, in Golf in the Kingdom, a true peak experience. That at the moment of life when you want everything to come together, everything came together for this guy. And and he also he radiated so much gratitude. He he was such a fun character, and he he let people in. You know, it, it, a club pro a club pro playing that well is is a is a cool story. But he wouldn't have had nearly the traction if he wasn't. He was kind of a ham. He was loving the attention. He was playing to the crowd. He was just spooning up the whole thing, and it was fun. It made it made it fun for everybody because you could really feel what he was feeling. You know, he kind of he. He's a very expressive, emotive personality, and um, and today, you know, he was there was so much at stake. Like he was never going to win the tournament; that was too big an ask. But if he could finish top fifteen, he earns an invita- automatic invitation back to the PGA Championship next year. Top ten would have got him into uh, a PGA Tour event. Top four gets you into the Masters, and then there's the actual money. You know, like, I don't know what the guy's salary is, but hundred thousand dollars, hundred twenty, you know, which doesn't go very far in California, and. You know, if you finish top 10, you're going to make half a million here. Like uh, actual life-changing money. That term gets thrown around a lot, but in this case, it really could be. And and so he was struggling out there. He hadn't made a birdie, and he was he was fighting so hard and getting up and down. And, and then to make that ace was so cathartic, and that's really what pushed him into the top 15 and punched his ticket to the PGA next year. And um, and so it, it was it was a neat moment. And he... You know, he really was one of the stars, and it was cute to see Rory, who was and his caddy were both, you know, so into it, and the hugs and the tears, and um, it's it's it, it. Golf is funny because you know I'm a huge basketball fan, but I can I can watch the NBA playoffs and know that I could never step out on the court and 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 hang with those guys, right? It'd be a joke. But uh, for this guy to to walk out of the pro shop and to be inside the ropes, like it was, it was really, everyone was living vicariously through him and it was, uh, it was special. Yeah. And there have been, there have been club players who play at a really high level, you know, almost like a tour level, but this guy isn't really one of them. Um, you know, from what I could see, he pitches it and chips it and putts beautifully, but he's so short, you know, he's just, I know Rory's really long, but Rory was literally 40 and 50 yards past this guy. You know, oh, at you least 20, you would be, 20 yards past this guy. So, uh, I, th- I think Rory was like long- 70. I think Rory was 70 yards in front of him. But, yeah, he was. Oh, he had to be um, some of the drives. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this is a good golf course because hitting in the fairway was, was such a big advantage. And he is, this, this guy block is really, I mean, really precise with his, his irons and his hybrids. And I mean, he's dangerous at Colonial. Like, that, you wouldn't, he, you, at Quail Hollow, we'd have no chance or one of these courses that really, if you can fly at 310, it's a different Colonial is cool. 
yeah. Colonial's cool. He, I mean, if he, he could ride this wave another week, who knows? I mean, I'm sure he's exhausted, but um, yeah. like it, of all the courses on tour, you know, a Colonial or a Pebble or like a, you know, a Wailea or something like that, it, there's only a handful that, that a guy as short as him is could even be in the conversation. So, uh, yeah, it was talk about a star. I mean, he, he yeah. just... He was it's great. amazing. I mean, to anyone who would be so cheap as to say that there should be fewer than 20 club pros in this thing. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I disagree with that. Uh, I know. Either- you know. And 40 probably was too many because you had, you, even with 40, you had, you had years where, you know, maybe one or two were making the cut and they were finishing at yeah. the very bottom. Um, but 20 is a good number. Uh, There's 136 tour players in here if you're not one of the 136 best guys we can do without you no offense to whoever's 137th you know what i mean like you have a, there's there's myriad ways you can play your way into this and if you haven't I, I think you forfeit the right to complain about it so yeah it was it was and you know we should we should acknowledge our colleague uh Machinella. he he just put out this week a a podcast about the club pro crisis because it's really a job that's having it's very demanding and a lot of courses and clubs are, are having trouble attracting and retaining talent. And, you know, Matt did a tremendous job pulling a lot of different voices together. Seth Waugh, who runs a PG of America, Butch Harmon, um, a bunch of others. And it's really interesting and insightful and obviously timely. Part two will come out um, next week on Tuesday. And I would encourage anyone who is sort of charmed by, um, by Michael Block to, to listen to these podcasts because it I, I, probably a lot of us think, Oh man, a club pro job would be so cool. All you do is hang out and drink beer with your members and you go and play skins games and, and you get to hit balls for two hours on your lunch. And I mean that if it was ever like that, it's not like that anymore. It's a tough, it's a tough job. Most people know it's nothing like that. It's, <laughs> it's get yeah. there, you know, at sunrise and be there at sunset. And uh, if the kid doesn't show up, you're sweeping the cart barn because nobody else will do it. Uh, I think they're low wages, tough jobs. As Michael Block was saying, 600 bosses. The accountant thinks he's a, an agronomist, and yeah. uh, the lawyer thinks he's a chef. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was a great rip. They're very, that, yeah, he was funny as hell. But uh, he, he really, he really knows golf uh, in ways that 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 others don't. So. Yeah, they, they, they bring a lot to it. This is a weird kind of nod. Uh, I don't even know if it was willful, but a nod to the PGA America and Oak Hill. Well, first, one quick nod to um, to Kerry Haig, who sets up the courses for the PGA America. It's been said many times. It really is true. This is how you set up a golf course. Uh, it was perfect. Uh, the par fives are perfect. The par threes are perfect. The green speed was just right. Uh, the rough was just right. The fairway width was just right. Uh, the tee times, the groupings, the, or the pairings, everything made sense. So you can say about the PG America every year, but this year especially. But this was the thing, and Alan and I commented a few times. Um, there was a commingling of fan and player and caddy and reporters they, in the parking lot, uh, around the clubhouse, out on the golf course. Uh, in, in recent years, in, in part because of security, which is an understandable thing, Everyone's been sort of cordoned off and like some years, literally, if you want to get a, you know, if a kid wants to get an autograph, there's like a fence or something. And this wasn't like this. It was much looser kind of, but not disorganized, but appropriately loose. And it was great. It was great for us as reporters, but beyond us, I think it was great for fans 
they could be just leaving and there were the players walking to their to their cars and uh it's kind of like it just sort of makes the player in a regular human being which of course he is except for his skill at golf it was so refreshing coming out of augusta where everything's so uptight and regimented it was a freewheeling element to this and there's a couple di- times today following the last group where they just let the fans walk down the fairway behind the players you know and it was it was orderly it never got crazy and uh it, it was neat. I, I agree. And um, you know, look at Brooks. Like he made he made seven birdies today. Like this course rewarded good shots, uh, but he also made four bogeys. If, if you got out of position, you hit a bad shot, then you were punished severely. And that's cool. I mean, you, you don't want to you don't want a course so hard that the guys can't make birdies, and it, it's flawed. But you don't want you don't want it to be a pushover. Like it's a hard balance to strike. It really is. And as you said, they nailed it this week. Yeah, and and you know the the ordinary fan can't be expected to know this sort of thing, but the stakes are so high now with everything in life. It seems so. The, the PGA of America made a big decision. Their hand was forced to some degree by the PGA Tour to move uh, their championship from August to May, and in so doing, they might have logically said, "Well, then we can't. Then we're, we already have a date for for Rochester for Oak Hill." But we're just going to have to change it because the, the the weather is too too unpredictable, which it is. But they rolled the dice and it, and it worked out beautifully. Uh, um, but there's a lot of that in golf, as been said many times. It is an outdoor sport. It is unpredictable. Um, but it makes you think that you could come back here. Maybe if you had one week later in May, it would be e- even even more maybe uh, predictable, and it wouldn't be graduation season with such a stress on the on the hotels, but, um, well, I guess that wouldn't work because then you get into Memorial Day. But the point being is that they rolled the dice. It takes balls to do it. Uh, Pete Babakwa was the uh, CEO of the, uh, PGA of America at the time. And, and, and he, he okayed the idea, approved the idea of, of, of even when switching to May in the first place, I was dubious about it. I think it's working out well. Um, and then Seth Wall, the current CEO, uh, you know, uh, kept it in place. And hats off to them. You know, the, I think this organization, because it has a sort of uh, fussy history, a lot of it dates back to, you know, the Caucasian only clause and other things, but they are really trying hard. And I'm sure Matt got into this in his podcast. They are really trying hard to modernize and just make the game accessible to really anybody who wants to play it. And, um, that's a really, really, I mean, if you love golf like we do, that's a really important function. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the PGA of America, the organization and their championship, you know, really have a week to celebrate what they do because it was it was great. It was a great week of golf, even, even if I'm ambivalent about the, weed, the, the winner. Um, it was terrific. Yeah, no, I, I, I root for the PGA of America. There's some of the governing bodies, some of the... <laughs> Some some of the institutions I root against just instinctively, but the the PGA of America like they they try hard. You know, it's 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 not they have two of the five biggest pro- events of professional golf, including the Ryder Cup. Uh, but it's not what they do. 50, you know, fifty one or fifty fifty weeks a year, and so there's there's always a, a little freewheeling element to these things, and it's things are a little loosey goosey, but it, it it makes it more fun, and I, I think it sets the tone for the whole week. So. I agree. It was fantastic. But before we go, just a couple of quick shout outs on the leaderboard. We should recognize Bryson DeChambeau back from the dead. I mean, he 
he um he had four solid rounds finished tied for fourth and um we had some fun interactions i, I know you, you you did you were impressed by bryson's normalcy and humanity uh, i don't know what they did with him i know i've been saying about that of you of late <laughs> alan's had a thing here lately for the listener Oh, Michael, you take the bed with, you know, the facility en suite. Michael, you choose the restaurant. I'm like, I'm talking to my wife, Christine. I don't know what they've done with Alan Shipnuck. But anyway. I'm trying to be accommodating. I don't know what they did with this Bryson DeChambeau. But he went from nut job, and I'm not saying that in a literal way, so please don't sue me if you've got Patrick Reed's lawyer, from nut job to like, totally sane human being like everything yeah. he said this week you could understand there was no hieroglyphics or foreign language or you know archimedes principles it was just <laughs> golf and it was kind of neat yeah yeah and scotty scheffler finished, i mean it seemed like he, he played terrible yesterday and he wound up finishing tied for second like i think this is 13 straight top tens for scotty scheffler the second longest streak the side of Tiger Woods uh, in, you know, in the last whatever quarter century. Let me ask this before we click off here. What this really is this week is a, even like it feels like a feel good week and it is, and it was, but in terms of the geopolitics of golf, which I think people are bored of talking about, but is a real thing. It complicates golf. You had a live golfer win a major. You can put to rest the argument, oh, they can't, you know, there are 54-hole golfers now. They're not going to win 72. Uh, it complicates Ryder Cup golf. It complicates the detente, or not the detente, the war, really, uh, between the PJ Tour. Nobody wants war for too long. You get tired of it. It kills people. What do you think this tournament means in the short long term? In other words, this year, Ryder Cup, going into next year, lawsuits and the rest this particular PGA Championship with this live golf winner, what, what do you think it means for the future of the of the fight between the PGA Tour and Live? Yeah, we have we'll have to see how it plays out. I, I feel like the the stronger the position that Live is in, the more likely the tour is to compromise, and uh, the the tour the tour is holding a hard line. You know, they, they have to because otherwise they'll lose more players. So they they've been hard asses all the way through, and I understand why it makes business sense. But um, you know, if Liv is struggling, if if they're not if their their players aren't playing well, if they're if they're not getting world ranking points, then then there's, the tour can just keep going and feel like they can win this war of attrition and they can produce they can pick up the best players coming out of college and this and that. But if if Liv is coming from a position of strength, I think it makes a compromise more likely. And I, I think ultimately compromise is what's going to what you want and what a lot of golf fans want, where we can just kind of move on from this. So I, I think the more that these these guys play well in the majors, uh, the more that they um, they assert themselves. I, I think that brings the PJ Tour to the table. Not imminently, but just philosophically, like this is you know Jay 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 Monahan must have heartburn tonight because, I mean, he went to Brooks Kepka's wedding last June. Like they were close, and Brooks made a business decision, um, and and now he's re, you know returned to the front rakes of the game, and it doesn't serve the PGA Tour not to have access to Brooks Kepka, you know it really doesn't. Uh, it's a huge loss as they're trying to attract sponsors. And if, if you're sponsoring an event and you're like, my favorite guys, and I mean, to me, I, 
the players I enjoy watching most in golf are Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler. But I would say Liv has three of the five guys I think are the most fun to watch. And, you know, if you're a tournament director, you want those guys in your field. And uh, now you have Brooks. It's just like, uh, I, I think that this is a setback for the tour, but it, that makes it more helpful for the big picture. That's my feeling. But, you know, there's ebbs and flows. But certainly, you know, the Liv guys brought the heat at, at Augusta. Uh, you know, you have Brooks finishes fourth year, Bryson's fourth. Cam Smith is ninth. Uh, Mito Pereira is 18th. Patrick Reed was on the board for a long time. He just fell off. But it's not like only one guy is carrying the flag. I mean, they've they're, uh, Brooks has been the keynote player, but they, there's other guys who are who are making making a run. So uh, this this definitely, as you say, complicates things. But it might also clarify, like, okay, if you're Jay Monahan. And you're and you're Rory and you're Tiger, you know the guys were setting policy. Like it's like, what are we doing here? Like we've we we we've reshaped the tour. We've made it more attractive. Where all the top guys are getting paid, um, but we're missing out on so many players that folks care about. And so, uh, I think this could hasten uh, some sort of some sort of larger conversation. But we're still a long way from an actual compromise. But it, it's got to start with the desire to make it so. And I, I think this helps achieve that. Um, well, I think not only has this been a, a, an excellent podcast, but I'm going to miss the last bus out of here. So I got to go. <laughs> People are packing up. I'm getting the stink guy from the security guys. Uh, but Michael, this is so fun. I missed podcasting with you. And um, I, I, I enjoyed our week together. I can't wait to read your story on Mr. Block. I'm writing about Brooks and uh, Hovland and, and what it all means. So um, that'll be all over firepitcollective.com. Hope you guys check those stories out. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your fidelity. Uh, Michael and I will be at the U.S. Open and um, points in between. So um, for Michael Bamberger, this is Alan Shipnuck. This was a Fire Drill podcast, and we appreciate you listening. That's the end. I bet big and I played to win Made a fortune when my ship came in I ran the table, never thought I could fall Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball And now I can't shake this losing streak Every road I take is a dead-end street I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.